talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello! And welcome to another exciting episode of More Like The Worst Wing, uh, our show where we take a look here in 2019 at Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, The West Wing, from a uh, leftist socialist perspective. And in this episode, we are discussing the episode entitled Gone Quiet. Gone uh, Quiet. which is referring to a submarine, specifically a nuclear submarine that has indeed gone quiet off the shores of da da dun North Korea. <laughs> uh, but before we even bother getting into any of that mess, let's talk about this cold open, hmm. which is super weird. Yeah. Although it is actually talking about the situation in question, so it is apropos. So we we start in the situation room with Leo getting briefed by Nancy McNally about uh, said gone quiet situation with, uh, what's the name of the sub is the Portland, the USS Portland, I believe. Mm. I, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Effectively. <laughs> but yep. the, the sub the sub has gone quiet, and normally they radio in before they go quiet to say like, hey, we're going quiet. But, you know, obviously if they have to do it, Quickly, sometimes they don't radio in. This all information is sort of communicated back and forth between Leo and Nancy. However, the tone of this scene is so fucking weird. And, like, the pacing and the structure, uh, there's there's this weird cut-across-the-walls-of-the-West-Wing scene transition midway through it that I've never seen on the show before, where, like, it does the cross-cut, like, where you through see, the like, through the room. walls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never seen that on the show before, and, like, Nancy's delivery is weird. It's it's very, like, low-key and monotone, whereas Sorkin's whole shtick is that the words are supposed to sound musical and have this, like, cadence and, and rhythm, and you're not getting any sort of that on the... If it just feels like a whole different show, yeah. essentially. Well, and, I mean, <clears throat> it comes through, and in addition to Nancy just telling Leo these things, Leo takes just this huge patronizing load of snark to the president is like yeah about how dumb he is about the military yeah and like, and usually it's understood and like okay it's a joke between friends blah blah, blah but the delivery is also yeah where he's like strange. okay so we have these big ships called submarines and and it's not it's, it's not entirely clear that like the president's okay with being joked with at this point so yeah. like it's just it, it's really uncomfortable well, by the way, he's being called away from the other thing that we'll end up talking about towards the end. He's being called away from his his wannabe vacation to go submit his own voter registration, which is, of course, a profound statement about democracy. Yes, which profound at least, statement. <laughs> at least the characters in the episode all mock how stupid that fucking is. <laughs> Everyone who's not Bartlett uh, will admit how, how dumb that is. But we'll get to that later. So that gets us right into the credits. And then... So after the credits, we've got uh, the campaign issues going on uh, where Bruno and Connie Bruno, are back. Bruno's back. Connie's back. Couldn't get Doug for some reason. He might have been busy with Sex in the City. <laughs> Too highly paid at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, working two jobs, you know. Uh, but Doug and Connie are, or sorry, not Doug and Connie. Bruno and Connie are back. And Bruno wants to run an ad because he's getting upset about all these Bartlett is a liberal mailers oh that are getting sent God. out uh, by the various Republican packs. 
Um, yeah, and we'll dig into the, all the implications of, of what he thinks liberal means and what it should be good about, because I really want to get into that. Uh, but first, uh, Sam has a quibble about, okay, so you want to run an ad, how much is it going to cost? And Bruno's like, $1.5 million. And Sam's like, well, we got to keep that money in the fucking war chest for Iowa, which is, I, I think it's hilarious they're still focused on the primary when he's a fucking incumbent president. Yeah. <laughs> I, know the M- I know there's the MS thing and he's like weak or whatever, but the, they don't even cover the primary election, I'm pretty sure. Um, um, I can't recall, but it is... I don't I don't recall, like, an actual, oh, he won the primary episode. Yeah, maybe, but we'll, I mean, we'll find out but, eventually. Well, we'll certainly yeah. find out, yeah. <laughs> well, if, if, if it's in there, we'll see it. This actually, but, uh, so when, the, when he brings this up, it brings up kind of a, another larger topic of campaign financing, which is right. something we can talk about. But before they kind of go down the discussion of it... CJ gets a <laughs> like a release about a quote from a potential primary challenger while we're talking about it. The, and the majority leader. Yeah. And they're like, okay, yeah. it's clear that he's not going to become the president. Like or, right. or like he's not gonna challenge. He's, it's a very president. it's a it's a Jeb esque yeah. answer. Or I guess I guess a better would be like uh Marco Rubio. Uh, Rubio I was yeah. about to say Rubio. Rubio esque sort of like well, the you know the thing that we need to dispel with the notion that America is in. I want to be president because the people are great and the people are the people of yeah. the country. That's a country, and like it's just it's so good. It's like, <laughs> and so she's in a great mood and is having so much fun that she decides to kick on a little licensed music, a little right said Fred, uh, who is talking about how he's too sexy. Uh, and CJ just is flummoxed by the idea of the song and has to ask Carol on this cute little diversion of, is there a problem that Wright said Fred is too sexy? <laughs> and they have this like serious kind of, not super serious, but just like, what do you think he means? <laughs> it's like, is okay. It, is, yeah. Can you be too sexy? <laughs> like, And also, this is again, we're, we're following onto the trail so far. It's like, CJ is also not often like this and i get that it's, no. it's meant to explain that she's in a good mood in the sure way, but it seems like it's a different show it is like this is totally. being written from a different like she's dancing around yeah. like and i know we did the jackal that one night but that was meant to be like oh cj's doing mm-hmm. a special thing because we were having the big celebration night this is just a regular day you know, when she brings so in Carol right. and asks her, and like it just—it's very, very—it's it's just weird. It, yeah, it's it's weird. like it's like she's out of the office or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, again, it's just like a different show throughout this episode. Um, so, also, meanwhile, I'm just gonna stream yep. of consciousness this. So, we've also got another subplot going on with Oliver Platt, uh, White House Counsel. Uh, or sorry, Oliver Babish is the character Close enough. played, actors played by right. Oliver yeah. Platt, where, you know, they do that nice trick where they can just call him Oliver, and yep. he's like, ah, that's an easy name to remember, because it's mine. <laughs> I am a serious actor. <laughs> they taught, they teach you that trick in acting school. <laughs> just get the writer to write the character's name the same as yours. <laughs> Um, so he's prepping her for her potential testimony in front of Congress, uh, into the MS investigation. And he starts bringing up all these malpractice suits she had from back when she was a practicing doctor. Um, uh, and 
you know, most of them set, uh, you know, most of them got dismissed. A couple of them settled. Uh, one of them won and it was like a guy who got a liver infection or something. And then he starts to expose that this is an angle of attack that the Republicans can take where the president doesn't really have anything that they can nail him on. But if they drag Abby through the water on this stupid malpractice thing, then they can paint Abby as bad and thus the president is bad and blah, 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 And blah. That's, that's sort of the, rather than the legalistic strategy, that's the electoral side of the strategy. What they're afraid of is that it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily hinge upon like impeaching the president or having any legal bearing on the administration what it does is hurts him politically which frankly it for i think for their purposes would be the same thing and i just want to put in the clip here about when they're talking about lamond i broke it otherwise i'd be ramming it up how did you break it it was in the newspapers i'm sure you read about it i read lamond was it in lamond i don't know i don't read lamond pity <laughs> I just, the way he delivers that word pity yeah. is just so so delightful well and and they're both it's it's funny i really like whenever they interact because they are both very strong mm-hmm. personalities and they they're yeah. just like it it sort of reminds me of sometimes when if, if i'm with a friend that is very much similar to me but we're all i don't know if, if back in the day if we were both trying to impress a girl or something it's just right you keep one-upping and getting like snarkier and starker with each other and right. it's like Holy you can shit. tell they're they're having fun yeah. with, you can tell they're having fun with it and then they'll get to a point where they go a little too far and either and abby will be like jesus yeah. Oliver. <laughs> so i mean we should talk let's let's talk about this specifically because the rest of the episode hinges on those other things we've already mentioned it's like a continuation of those lines okay abby like oliver thing kind of the 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 point of this interaction is to bring up again the fact that maybe we should just be not rolling over for these people like the idea that they and they articulated it in seasons past where they say let bartlett be bartlett it is being reiterated right. here. Um, it's a similar kind of thing of like, hey, yeah, we go we go hard. We don't just because Abby wants to start like taking a plea deal mm-hmm. and they start talking about all this. And ultimately it boils down to, no, just get up there, get on the stand, tell the truth and let the truth set you free. And this is how you effectively sort of go on offense and make this go away. And frankly, I mean, it's especially in a 2019 frame, it's 100,000 percent correct. Like, there is no other right. way to go about this. It is, you don't engage on the enemy's turf. You just fucking go on the attack. Right. Yeah, and this is the way to go on the attack here is to just put Abby up on the stand and have her have her explain yep, everything. Absolutely. And then and be like, fucking deal with it. I was a doctor. I did doctor things. They're, they're all perfectly normal. And to hear, it out of, uh, which, to hear it out of Oliver's mouth, too, the character, I mean, who is mm-hmm. has been established as like a very procedural, very by the book, very correct and technical type of thinker mm-hmm. is presumed to be, you know, oh, it's it's revelatory. Like this is like this is so important that even Babish is on the side of yes. fighting. Yeah. And uh, as Abby says, uh, careful with that, Oliver, they'll uh, you act like a human. They'll throw you out of the bar. <laughs> and uh, as he says, I've been thrown out of bars before. <laughs> Damn right. So the other side of this, like actually having some balls and standing up for shit dovetails into the Bruno and Connie 
line of thing, but let's take a brief right. break let's, and then we can talk yeah, about let's that take a break. specifically. <laughs> yeah. So part of what happens with Bruno and Connie being in the White House is them devising a strategy of how to fight back against these attacks. And fundamentally, just straight from the outset, it's like, it's fucking just embarrassingly stupid. The the type of mailers that they're getting worked up about. Right. It's like postcards that say like, Bartlett, too liberal. Right, with the, with <laughs> and the black it. and white picture and the too liberal in red in red text. <laughs> that That's it. It's like yeah. the most basic bitch yeah like not even kind of particularly right but but suddenly this is a big (laughs) crisis because of course everything's a big crisis on this show nothing nothing is small uh unless it's played for a joke uh so (laughs) now that this is a big crisis bruno needs to run a 1.5 million dollar ad and sam's like well we can't afford that we need to keep all the campaign money and and bruno's like ha 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 you you (laughs) dumb dumb idiot shit shit don't you fucking know anything? We can use soft money. And Sam goes, oh, a, a morally questionable use of money in politics? Oh, let me clutch at my pearls. I am I am shocked. How could you even suggest such a thing? Oh my God, Sam is so fucking... <laughs> like, the show often tries to paint Sam as sort of like the idealist and Boy Scout. He's not, but they try to paint him that way. But this is just way too naive. Sam was a lawyer, for fuck's sake. Like... Like a corporate lawyer. No a corporate not lawyer. working for like the ACLU. A corporate lawyer or... who worked in defining loopholes for companies to accomplish things. This is the exactly that same skill set of like, yeah. we found a loophole that lets us do what we need to do. Let's use it. Like if it, like he should understand it, but he's just so shocked and like morally offended to his core that Bartlett, you know, he's like, he, he should lead by example. Although it takes him a minute to think up the phrase, which I think is funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, um, I know somewhere buried in my brain is this, this lib phrase for doing things that are Because Bruno, I love the way how Bruno plays it, where he's just like, he's constantly just shutting down Sam, like, no, you're stupid. We're in the same campaign as the other people who are going to be using soft money. Why would we deny ourselves this tool? And, and Sam keeps coming back to like, I don't actually have a response for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and. To, to, to his credit, Bruno is just like, fuck this. Like, it's time to unapologetically embrace, embrace the values of the Bartlett administration. And then it's supposed to be the understanding that this is the liberal lion moment. And it turns <laughs> out he, like, lists a few things off. He's like, there is no way that you should say a liberal is soft on drugs. Or is a communist. Soft on crime. A communist is my favorite <laughs> God, one. God soft, damn it. He says soft on communism. On communism. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's the thing, the big campaign issue, being hard on communism. <laughs> it's just like, ah, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, we understand. Uh-huh. But, yeah. So, 
<laughs> I, and again, I've been watching these uh, with my wife, who is a professional political operative, and she was talking basically, and we understand now that this kind of maundering technical faux concern about soft money, the way she put it was, quote, it's so pedestrian as to be ridiculous. Yeah, it's just... At this point. It's so insane. Like, you're you're in the White House and you're having this argument. Like, come on. What what do you think got you here? Like, what the, fuck, what the fuck are you talking about, Sam? <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. It's it, basically this whole interaction is, and I wrote it down, it's like it's a long-running Teladonna because it's utterly unbelievable that Sam and Toby, the fucking White House communications team, are taken by are taken aback or by surprise, are blown away. That, yeah, yeah. It's like what? You could just you if you just change the ad wording a little, you can use soft money. Oh, they, they ran his fucking first campaign. They got him elected. I, I know it's insane. <laughs> Toby is a professional campaign operative who had worked on many many elections before Bartlett as well like it's just insane well and so the other thing that i pointed out was that the the descriptor that they use that you take a similar path on your free earned media tactic which is the origin and it's actually now technically illegal thanks to some fec regulations of campaign coordination that is the reason that the distinction exists now between like a 501c3 and a 501c4 mm. organization because the the PAC right. phenomenon the was PAC. birthed yeah. was birthed of this need to have a Chinese wall right between a campaign right where they and can't all the cannot quote unquote <laughs> officially coordinate but yeah they just so happen to be uh, working in the campaign's best interests well and at times again from understanding and you know talking with her um, it's self policed. Um, in a lot of organizations <laughs> on the lib side, but people still do, you know, eat shit for it occasionally. Where it's just oh, like okay. you can, you can get to the point where if you are not being very careful with who you talk to and how you record those interactions, if you, I mean, if you're being on the up and up with these organizations, they will shut you. They will say, "Well, now you're fucked because you." you transcended this boundary or you crossed this line. Mm-hmm. And now, especially if there's like a, I don't know, like a hard copy of it, mm-hmm. if it's in text somewhere, they, at that point, it's not a risk that the organization is willing to take. Mm-hmm. So they just cut you off. Mm. Hmm. Oh, so, good yeah. To, good and to know the FEC enforcement does happen somewhat. <laughs> Uh, yes, as long as as long as your organization has scruples, which we all know, right? Most long, of them don't. So it's a, it's an honor system. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so then, so meanwhile, to pivot off that a little, uh, so CJ uh, is so pleased because the minority leader or whoever the the primary threat guy who got the question of why do you want to be president gave this awful, rambling, terrible, je- jebish answer, Rubio-ish answer. And uh, just and so she's like, but we have a good answer, right? And, uh, and, they're, and they're like, oh, yeah, sure. We got a fucking great answer for why Bartlett wants to be president. And they're like, and she's like, cool, what is it? And then, and Sam's like, uh, I'll get back to you. And, then, and Josh is like, uh, do we have one? And then... Uh, so he goes into it. What's funny is he interrupts this tense situation between the president and the old guy, Albie Duncan, uh, who I'll get to when we cover the North Korea thing in a little bit. 
But he and president is like, God, please, I want a distraction. Josh, yeah. what? Please tell me what trivial, stupid thing have you brought into the Oval Office? And Josh we got we got to include the clip. Okay, just put the clip in. It's perfect. Yeah, we'll put yeah. the clip. Well, give it to me now. I want a distraction. No, it's it's all right, sir. Give it to me. It's campaign related. That's okay. Well, the uh, majority leader got the question last night. He tanked. Yeah, and we're starting to put together an answer for when you get it. The question? Why do you want to be president? I don't. Well, we'll put that in the hopper and show you a draft. And then <laughs> <laughs> the, del- the delivery. Like, it's it's really close to being super good. because This is one of those perfect things because he's been getting so frustrated with this other thing throughout the episode up mm-hmm. until this point that he's just in this mood where like he's ready to snap at anything. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the it's just perfect comic timing on having the plots run up and like sync up in this perfect way. So credit where credit's due. Good writing here on this humorous moment. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they... I mean... Again, it sort of betrays the 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 state of their politics. Is that if you, the president can't articulate a reason for him to be in the office, it's like yeah. well, and then and then the episode actually ends on CJ asking him, and he has like the big pause, like he's about to say something like truly profound, and then he goes. Uh, I had it just a little bit ago, but I lost it. All right, bye. <laughs> and, like, we literally fade out on that. Yep. <laughs> like, and, you know, the, it's it's considered, like, a comedic timing dodge. But, it, no, it's just, like, it's just, like, they don't have a reason. Just straight up. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and also, you know, like, um, there is a brief moment at the end where they fucking go down the, like, Bartlett speechifying thing oh, again right. where he's talking yeah. to Charlie. He's just, like... When the Romans ran for office, it's like, and Charlie is basically, shut the fuck up, Mr. President. Yeah, Charlie calls him out a lot in this episode, and I really enjoy it, because it's showing a, a, a change of the character, where, like, early Charlie, when he was first in this job, wouldn't even think of, like, possibly back-talking the president. But in this episode, he's just, like, giving him shit from, like, the word go, and yeah, it's wonderful. Absolutely. Well, and, it, which, and he deserves it, too, because Bartlett's being a particularly pompous windbag in this one with how he's like he tries to act like he knows what he's talking about with the military stuff and then he tries to like talk about oh it's a profound statement on democracy that i go personally to uh deliver this piece of paper somewhere in new hampshire well and i think it's it's the kind of the the flip side of what we were complaining about earlier it's like there's a way to do character evolution yes that that is informed by the right. relationships that develop right. rather than so he, dropping CJ into a right said Fred song yeah, exactly. for some so, reason. So we get the sense that Charlie's getting so much more comfortable with Bartlett and in the role that he's, you know, he's willing to finally give him sass back when he feels like he needs it and, and can, and can get away with it. And yeah. Which is great yeah, because it's, it's great to see characters. It's interpersonal development. development. Like, yeah. yeah. So, exactly. And and that stands in contrast again with sort of like the drop in jarring change of attitude that we see with CJ, you know, with Leo in the beginning and the to a certain weird extent. Cold open, yeah. yeah, to a certain extent with the president throughout the episode. So Yeah, he's a bit more like all over the plate. You know, the head desk moment is very, very over the top for this kind of show. Well where and, like he literally slams his head into the resolute desk, like Yeah, well and let's let's take another break here because the yeah. thing that the thing that really makes it stand out is the almost the flippancy with which he treats the 
like potentially international war creating incident yes. that occurs outside of North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and so, sort of, the main plot of this episode, it is entitled, after all, Gone Quiet, is about the sub uh, that's gone quiet, and there's a, there's back and forth about, like, you know, should we send in a search fleet for them, you know, is the search fleet going to be detected by North Korea, all this kind of back and forth, back and forth. So they finally decide to get in a expert on uh, the North Korea situation, and they pull in the Assistant Secretary of State... Uh, a character named Albie Duncan, um, who is a old gentleman who has been in the State Department, uh, as Bartlett says, for like decades, well, well before this presidency or any others before it. Uh, and apparently, you know, it's just one of those old institutional fixtures uh, who also favors bow ties. Apparently. Yes. Uh, so he comes in. And he starts basically sassing the president right away about like, well, seems like you lost your boat in the wrong part of the world, Mr. President. <laughs> and then the president's like, great, he's giving me shit already. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to put up with this until the situation resolves. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, so he invites him to hang out in the Oval Office for a while. And then Albie Duncan just starts telling story after story <laughs> about America's various misadventures of empire where, you know, a ship got done blown up in 68 off the red China sea. Yeah. It's like, know. well, remember when the Pueblo ran aground and the Koreans captured her and all souls aboard. And it's so, and to be fair, um, to, to kind of put some context on this interaction, like, Albie Duncan is played by Hal Holbrook, who plays Deep Throat in All the President's Men. And uh, for for a certain age of liberal that this show is catered to, <laughs> yeah, this, seeing this is like, uh, you know, a cream your jeans. Oh my god, mm. it's Deep Throat! Yeah, they, they also get him to uh, do spin in the debate, um, in the upcoming debate episode. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we will see more of Albie Duncan down the road. Um, but so meanwhile, the president is sort of more upset about the Albie Duncan situation than the actual sub situation. Like we're meant to understand that he, you know, he cares about getting the the people in the sub alive, but he doesn't really care about, you know, the threat to like international relations yeah. <laughs> uh, or any all. other people being alive. <laughs> right. Or yeah. Oh, you know, any non-Americans, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really give a fuck about them and is explicitly willing to put their lives at risk and hell, maybe even just ignite a thermo global thermonuclear war because, right. uh, we decide, and here's the best part. We don't even know what the fuck the ship. I mean, we know what the ship was doing there, which is reconnaissance, but like, why are we doing reconnaissance on North Korea? We just have to have updated info on North Korea all the time because we're the empire. I guess like we're just provoking 
and that and and that's what Albie Duncan goes into. There's a there's a little bit of a clip here. I'll go ahead and put it in where he talks about how this is basically a war crime. Who we talk to in the meantime? Nobody. You sure? Yes. <laughs> we don't talk to the North Koreans. And tell them what? You've got causes, Belli. Cause for war. Little thing called Latin. Albie. If we tell North Korea we violated their waters, it could be interpreted as an act of war. It is an act of war. We'll tell them it's not. It is. You violated international law. You've taken provocative action. At best, you'll be creating a crisis atmosphere, and North Korea's got the fourth largest army in the world. <laughs> and, like, he's fucking right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's, sorry. Like, this, this is absolutely a war crime. <laughs> and, like, it, it doesn't matter the fact that it's routine and we do it every day. That just means we do war crimes every <laughs> fucking day. Like... It's, just stop <laughs> it's i mean it, obviously it's it's directly at odds with which i think actually like this is what sort of um fundamentally the foreign policy just establishment of the united states it's actually been a big topic recently is that the left isn't capable of articulating an alternative coherent, to status quo right. foreign policy and this like yeah. illustrates it almost perfectly because the presumption is just that we we have do to this. keep doing all this. Yeah. Yeah. This is just how it works. And like, we can't even question the fundamental assumption of like, well, why the fuck are we have ships off the shore of North Korea? Like, what are we doing over there? Well, and I mean, it's, it's again, it's sort of incoherent from the outset it's because, like, oh, we're, per- we're protecting American interests. That's what we're doing. Well, and, and the president literally, he, he says, he's like, no, I assess the national interest based on this and said, it's like, well, let me tell you, man. If you're concerned about Americans being alive, then I, I guess. But, like, the provocation that you're engaged in here risks a shitload more people being yeah. not alive. Yeah, and it's just the the fundamental assumption that non-American lives are less valuable, which is inherently baked into this show. It goes all the way back to when he was talking about... And he brought up the Romans again this time. It goes back to when he was talking about how Rome was so great because you could walk from one end to the other mm-hmm. safely. And if you got killed by anyone, that the entire might of the Roman army would come down upon whoever didn't done fucking killed you. And this is what America should be. And if any American ever gets killed by anyone ever, we should fucking destroy that person with the wrath of God's own fury. You know... And this is just, it's again, we're not even allowed to question these fundamental assumptions. They're just baked into the, both the show and, like, the neoliberal status quo. Well, like, and it also, in another, it's in another setting, the, char- the, the character of the president in this interaction, you know, we kind of touched on this, would be almost like a satirical take on it because they go over the top with him banging his head on his desk in frustration, sitting right. in the situation room and being like, when, when they find out that the sub is just like fine and it, it's fine. it calls it's in. It's been fine the whole it's time. It's been fine yeah. the whole time. It calls in because he was about to like, he was about to fucking pull the trigger. Like, yeah, he was going to pull order like whatever fleet into the fucking sea to go like find them and whatever and was going to cause a giant international incident like literally seconds from doing it before, and then they're like and then he decides to act and I'll I'll just say it he acts basically trumpian 
where he's just like, oh, yeah, see, well, I knew all along that you just got to trust the crew and, and, you know, be patient and don't, and don't jump to send in any fleets in anywhere. I clearly, I made the right call here. Well, and like the, the implicate it's played up as a joke because it's meant to be understood that like the situation room is kind of giving him a, giving him a break and being like, yeah, you know, I know you're about to jump the gun there, but we're all, we're all good. So things are cool, but right. Again, it's like in another setting that would be that would have been the joke. It's just that you're just gonna trigger trigger a war because you don't fucking know what you're doing. Like, just yeah. And and the again, it's a treatment of the character that is a marked departure from how it's been done right. in the past. So and here's the other thing: this we're getting sort of negative character growth for Bartlett here. Where now I remember back in season one, in the early season one, he was bad with the military, and that was meant to be an established character trait. And then at some point through season two, he was supposed to be getting better. And even through season one, late like late season one, he's supposed to be getting better and better about it. Where they, we didn't bring it up so much, and all of a sudden it's like we reset all the way back to pre-season one Bartlett, where Leo has to like. <laughs> military explained to him what what a fucking you know submarine is. <laughs> it's like they're they're a big metal tube and they're full of air <laughs> and they're, and they're, they're full of semen. Badumptish. I'll be here all week. Tip your Charlies. <laughs> and but again, it it seems almost it's incoherent because it's just like okay, we can play this for laughs, but it is it's not serving the agenda of the show, nor is it establishing a particularly um like a particular regimen or philosophy of international relations it's just like oh well good thing nothing bad happened even though i was about to make this disastrous decision (laughs) i I looked up something just now because i was curious one this is written by sorkin so Any any writing things fall f- entirely at his feet. But two, this was directed by a guy who never directed any other West Wing episodes. And that's what there I was thinking. And that, that's why the cold open's so weird and like this place feels so huh. it feels so different all over the place. You get these weird one off directors who come in. Because most of the directors who work on this end up doing multiple, multiple episodes and they get their own sort of style and they get familiar with the show and they're able to recreate the tone pretty accurately or at least go for their own creative spin on it while kind of keeping it within the like tone acceptability range but yeah that uh, every now and then you'll get a one-off guy who's like no i want to do it my way and i feel like this was this that guy with like the cut around cuts uh through the wall and stuff and the weird cold open and just like the all the weirdness of this episode i think can be painted on uh john hutman huh i think i mean that's actually interesting director that's actually interesting that we, I've, at least we noticed it. I think it's yeah. It's not yeah, because that... we haven't really noticed on any other episodes. Like we've noticed, you know, when there's good stuff or like you know that weird film noir shot on that yeah, one episode, but it didn't make us go look up the director. You know, like it was just like, huh. oh, that's a weird, funny thing. But like this one was different enough that even both of us just realized, like, this is weird. And so yeah, I just wanted to look that up, and I guess that sort of confirmed my suspicion. Yeah, that's. I mean, I guess clearly we are we're steeped in the West Wing, West Wing <laughs> oeuvre now. That it's just like, oh, this isn't what the fuck. This is fucking. This up. is different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and not different, better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just diff- different and still bad. Still bad. Okay. So that wraps up the North Korea thing. I mean, you know, down with imperialism everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. So 
I don't think there's too much else to talk about, but we'll take a brief break and wrap up. That's about it for this episode. There's another brief um, sort of intervention where they're they're talking about um, what the fuck. Oh yeah, the uh, the argument that uh, they're having with this conservative congresswoman about the NEA. Oh right, and, we completely forgot that. Well, yeah, and I mean, to be fair, it's incredibly trite. It's, it is, and it's, it's a stupid. rehash. It's yeah. a rehash of shit we've heard before in this very show, mm-hmm. and like they're talking about like oh well. You know, oh, controversial art exhibit got $20,000, and oh, controversial art exhibit got $15,000, and oh my god, the taxpayers are paying for weird art that uses words like slut and like, you know, piss Christ. They're, they're bitching about piss Christ, Yeah, it's, it's piss Christ, I think, is the, actually, and it may or may not, it's either that or they mentioned uh, uh, Maplethorpe at one point, which, which is guy who took nude photos. Um, the... Like, the number that they're trying to pin on it is like, hey, this budget came out, and it's $105 million. And they talk through, it's like, what the fuck is $105 million? It was a boost to the National Parks budget. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it just happens to be the size of the NEA, which the they want to eliminate. Yeah. The entire budget for it. And then they, it just tried, they specifically mention it's like, we could buy this could buy like a certain amount of military equipment or something no they wanted security for the national parks okay like so, but, which to me just sounds like grift like oh and the, you know we'll be able to employ some like firm that you know privately police the parks or whatever and give us kickbacks and and all that good stuff yeah, some shit that like the the nephew of the Secretary of State who's a child employ, employ my fail yeah, son in, in exactly this, yeah, exactly. Well, but so and there it just seems again it in the context of the campaign finance discussion, it's like one hundred and five million dollars seems so fucking trite now. Yeah. It's the cost of one F thirty five. It's like a, it's, it's lifetime a cost. It's a tenth of a billion dollars, <laughs> and the government deals in in trillions of dollars. It's it's nothing. Yeah, and they, they devote could, so much. We could time fund to it, it by raising uh, stamp prices a cent. You know, yeah. like, and and uh, it's just like you could find it literally anywhere else. But we're yeah. gonna uh, we're gonna devote a substantial they, amount of screen time just to w- it. Too. And they want some guy gone. They just want the guy who got who's yeah. the NEA head, I guess. Yeah, or I the guy so. who's yeah. And like it's such a petty dumb thing, and the, and Toby's like, okay, fine, we'll just fire the guy, and like, <laughs> okay, big whoop, like yeah. it's some guy we've never seen or met before, so it has no stakes to us, the viewer. Yeah, it, it means we don't, nothing. We don't know Oakenwood, like, and and it also it directly contradicts the through line of the rest of the episode that we're gonna make a stand and fight for because we just roll over and let we just roll over and fire this poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I don't know. And so that's why oh, I did. We're swing. <laughs> yeah, hooray. So that's about it for the show. Um, we're going to do a modern day politics update because guess what, bitches? It is 10-16-2019. It's October 16th. Bernie's back. 
And Bernie's back, bitch. Bernie's back, bitch. Overnight, He's, basically, it, it leaked out or somebody scooped. Why go? Like, like Poorly, Goku, poorly scooped. Like Goku, his heart has <laughs> suffered, but he has emerged stronger and, <laughs> and tougher than ever before. He looked great at the debate, but who gives a fuck about the debate? Because 15 minutes after that debate was over, we get the actual news. That is, AOC, uh, uh, Omar, and Tlaib have all endorsed Bernie for president and will be out there fucking on the campaign trail talking talking him up. And this is, you know, so it, it was known that, that he was holding a rally in Queensbridge Park, which is just, just across the bridge from um, Manhattan. And it's, in, well, it's, and it's basically, it's pretty much on the border of AOC's district. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, a, it was a big deal. And so everybody was like, oh, who's a special guest going to be, blah, blah, blah. And it came out that she's the one and that she's going to endorse him. But all of these things aside... The, the best part is, is the reaction from Lib Twitter, who is having a fucking meltdown of all meltdowns. So my favorite reaction is the sour grapes of, oh, that endorsement wasn't going to be worth anything anyway. I don't, I don't know why anyone would actually crave it. I, I certainly did. <laughs> why couldn't she endorse Warren? <laughs> like, like my, my, my fingers are not slipping on my tears as I type this. But, oh, and so many hoes the, mad. <laughs> just in the rec- it's the reconciliation of white liberal wealthy feminism yep. with the with where the rubber of the philosophy hits the road because right. there's they no can't other even comprehend that it's about policy and that it's about vision for America and that it's that it is about backing someone who says he's a socialist as opposed to someone who says they're capitalist to their bones and like and and transcending the weird um like id paul of mm-hmm. the whole thing because oh you know and in a in a total and utter vacuum of identity sure bernie's an old jewish white man from brooklyn oh, they, they all drop the jewish part when they talk about how the squad is endorsing an old white man <laughs> it's it's so funny how the jewish erasure is is so fun like that you know, it's it's only relevant when it's when it can when be it's weaponized. bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and and so like you know, it's it's reconciling the fact that on a policy level, maybe just just maybe, it it doesn't it doesn't matter, right? What you present to the world has if we you just want you have a set the of person with the bet policies, <laughs> that, that, and it doesn't really fight. matter what their identity is, obviously. And you can be in favor of having a more diverse group of political representatives overall while still having individual ones who are going to be white men. Like that's part of the diversity. Like, well, and, and I also think that well, kind of the, the real betrayal of it is that these people are incapable of conceiving of, a a person acting against their identity's interest right which is why it's so bad that class as an identity signifier has largely been erased yes from american politics and society because if that was even you know like like i guess sort of fundamentally or maybe a small portion of your perspective of the issue then obviously aoc with her working class background is going to relate to you know and omar with her background of being a a refugee and you know uh i don't know Tlaib is a muslim 
background. Oh, I mean, uh, she's, I believe, working class background as well. Yeah, uh, from absolutely. my understanding. So obviously, yeah, if we had a more class oriented consciousness towards politics, people would be able to be like, oh, of course they would be for Bernie because he, he speaks to the working class. But uh, no, for some reason, the libs just can't wrap their minds around it. But you know what? <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching them try uh, over the over the coming weeks and months as as the realization sinks in of like, no, the, they really don't give a fuck about any of your shit suck candidates. And yes, that includes Warren. Yeah, and I mean it's it's the the triumph, frankly, the triumph of beliefs and and, and he's proving that he's built a movement and like and now we can look to look you know everyone's like oh god but what you know what happens when Bernie's gone well here he is building the the next generation or you know we had to skip a generation unfortunately because of the way things worked out with the boomers and gen xers and everything <laughs> but uh but now you know we've got this the start of this new leftist sort of vanguard front within the democrats that's trying to pull the democratic party back to the left and you know the more we can support them the more we can get more representatives like them into congress uh and all across the states and in state governments and you know like lee carter um and and stuff like that even just local and state people um you know go out there try to find your local you know dsa whatever you know entryism is a perfectly valid tactic for now for now at least um oh well and, it's and it's and it's I mean, it's, it's got a proven you, success record you yeah know, because how else do you accomplish it if you can either leave electoralism behind or if right. you don't where where's the best best place to start it's where you can make the most impact right absolutely and just you know like i don't want to put too much on them because they are just like three congresswomen but you know just having that it's it's something we haven't seen god knows how i don't know how long it's been ever in my lifetime where i've had a politician i can look at and be like oh yes they actually represent me me my interests. they speak like a normal person they don't speak like a politician they ask the kind of questions you would ask if you were in congress of like yes. hey this seems all fucked up right like right <laughs> like yeah. am, it's am just I, something am that I fucking nuts that's or... something that's simple or honest of just like wait what the fuck did you just say yeah <laughs> like but without without all the swearing because it's congress of course but the the, the I... attitude of and just, you know, a, a wake-up call of, like, we just need to tackle these big problems and we need, you know, vision and, and all the, and you know, all that you good can, stuff. You can put the buzzwords behind it however you want, but the, the even for most of these things, even acknowledging that they exist as yeah. a problem, the, the depths to which our discourse has sunk just to exclude the even idea of, I don't know, direct cash payments to poor people mm -hmm. is, like... It, it's revolutionary and it's pathetic that it's gotten to that point. However, these are the people who are bringing it back into fashion and right. into acceptability more than and anything. The, and the best part is you can't stop it now that it started. Like the ideas are out there. They're in the discourse. They're the Overton window is being dragged and it's, it's not going to stop. It's just going to, it's just going to get stronger because these ideas are out there. They're getting discussed and and that's well, that's what moves everything forward. You're, you're finally leveraging America's obsession with celebrity in the right direction instead yes. of the wrong direction. Where yeah, it's like exactly. You have a figurehead for things that actually matter. Right now, oh, by the Not, way, just the Chicago teachers are going on strike tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Perfect fucking timing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> things are going great. Uh, if, if we 
thing, things look very good. I feel very strong about Bernie's chances, everything like that. Uh, keep, keep hope alive, see spammers. I think, you know, I, I know we're still, still in hell world, but I feel like, it feels like for the first time things are looking pretty, pretty solidly up. Uh, send so him your just, energy, send him your dollars. Yeah, oh my god, the, the energy sending has been working like fucking <laughs> god knows what, because he looked amazing at that debate. He looked healthier than ever. This is Bernie with full blood flow. Like, those, <laughs> now he has 100% of the blood flowing. No, no longer is it occluded, Bernie. Can <laughs> you, like, what the fuck can you do against that? I, god, oh. They're, they're, they're helpless against him. Uh, so I, the debates are going to slim down, which is going to help a lot. Uh, I think as we get closer and closer to Iowa actually happening, we're going to, I don't worry about polls, but because I still think he's going to overpower them. But I think we're going to see polling come back in line right before Iowa, as all the pollsters want to make sure that they don't get like completely blown out of the water by the results making them look really stupid. I think you're going to see the polls slightly heard to be like, oh, suddenly Bernie's gaining a lot of momentum all of a sudden <laughs> that he totally didn't have this whole time. Yep. Wink, wink. Yeah. So, we uh, good election update. Uh, hopefully we have more good news to re report in the coming episodes. Uh, speaking of next episode, the next episode is entitled The Indians in the Lobby. And I remember this one just based off its funny title, um, which is quite literal about two Native Americans coming to the lobby uh, to talk about CJ about getting uh, better public health projects on their reservation. Hmm. Does everybody remember the Indian in the cupboard? Uh, the I do. The book that we all read in elementary school? Yes. Well, that's what the, this made me think of it. We oh, are, okay. We are one episode away. I believe we're going to work on a special guest star for oh, right. episode eight yes. coming up. Or excuse nope. me, this is eight, episode nine. No, no. The guest star one. No, you're, uh, this oh, coming oh, one is sorry. seven. Episode eight is the guest sorry, star, which sorry. is we are. the women of Kumar. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm disavowing uh, Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac <laughs> yeah. and Ishmael. No, we don't count not that. canon. No, it is officially not canon, and we don't bring it up except to laugh at it. Well, we're also working, I'm also working on another guest star who might join us later, maybe in November, a few episodes down the road. Hopefully, Huzzah. we can get him on. And, um, yeah. and if anyone else wants to guest star, please uh, drop us comments in the thread. Uh, you can email the show. If you're just some random person out there and you think you would like want get along with us okay and could riff through an episode of The West Wing, shoot us an email at theworstwing69 yep. at gmail.com. It's you a nice email address. It's very nice. And if, uh, <laughs> if you seem cool enough, maybe we'll invite you on to be a guest star. The, the bar isn't particularly high. <laughs> So, exactly. you, you know what? We're open to many comers. Uh, but as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on another The Worst Wing. All right, bye. Bye. Smoking dope till I get hiccup. I think I need a pickup. So wanna pick me up? Cause these pills got me real high up. But these hoes mad. Hoes mad. I think I fucked up best friend. A cousin. I got these bitches staring. They fighting. They texting me some weird shit. Oh man.
Smash.